Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. Uh, Johnny, Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving. I, I, I didn't eat. Didn't even cross my mind to think of something to say. <laughs> Johnny turkey. Johnny cranberry sauce. Johnny uh, sweet potato casserole. I'm going to end it on that one. All right. Favorite. Today we're going to be talking about lots of games. We're going to be doing a full review it's be of exhausting. Mosaic. We're going to go through these in rapid fire succession as well. But a full review of Mosaic. <laughs> so, we, so, we, so we say. <laughs> So thanks for joining us for episode 115. All right, residents of Meebletown, if you were here right now, you'd see Dean in his Santa hat, in his elf shoes, in his Christmas gear. He doesn't care that Thanksgiving's still around the corner, depending on when you listen to this. This is being recorded two days before Thanksgiving. He doesn't give a rats. He's ready for... I'm ready for Thanksgiving, John. <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about. I am excited oh. about Christmas, but I'm ready for I'm ready for some good food. I heard him say, "I don't ki- hold the turkey, hold the Oh, you don't even eat turkey anyways. Will you eat turkey on Thanksgiving maybe?" No. Maybe some tofurkey. Are you? No. Will you? No, I won't do that. I I eat a bunch of sides mostly. I eat a lot of carbs. There's good sides though. A lot of carbs. Okay. I know we talk about this, but what was your your favorite <laughs> That you look forward to for Thanksgiving? Cranberry. That's right. Cranberry, cranberry whatever. I eat, I, I like cottage cheese. Like, Nobody else eats cottage cheese at Thanksgiving, but I love it. Do you put cranberry sauce on your cottage cheese? Yep. That, yep. I do. That sounds good, doesn't it? Do you yeah, like cottage sound cheese? Bad. Sure. Okay. It's a great source of protein for somebody who is who doesn't eat meat, for sure. Yeah. It just, you know, it's like somebody threw up in a bowl and you just kind of eat the little throw up balls. It is something like that. It actually isn't that bad. I used to like it a lot when I was a kid. Put some peaches on there. Yes, I was going to say that. That's my favorite. Peaches with with cottage cheese are the best. Did your grandparents ever just open up a can of peaches and pour it in a bowl? Yeah. Like, no one does that anymore. But when I was a kid, like in the country, like that's what we, that's pop, 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 crack open a can of those sweet canned peaches, toss it in a bowl. Put on millions of peaches. You just eat it. You start listening to that. Is that what you were doing? Millions of peaches. I don't know the name of that song. Is that what it is? Millions of Peaches? It's Peaches. Oh, Peaches. My okay. President's United States of America. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. But. I have performed that in front of a class before. <laughs> I did. Do you have video of that? I, no. I was like in fifth okay. grade, and actually it was Sunday school. <laughs> we had a wild church, <laughs> and and we, uh, yeah. You know what you really- Sunday school class, we stood up, me and my two friends, and performed Peaches. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. That's, I bet the people who have never heard that song were like, what in the world is this? Because it really is a nonsense song, but yeah. but it, I loved it back oh, in the Oh, yeah, day. me too. I've shown my kids that they like it too. So the, the fruit cocktail <laughs> is the one that I never see anymore. You know, the, the, yeah, that's with true. The, those cherry oh, yeah. and I'll, pear and all that. Yeah, That's another thing that I really enjoyed as a child that I don't, don't now really. I might take a scoop. A small scoop just to try it. It's but. the it's now it's different than when you were kids. But when it was all that syrup, you know, that's what you love, the syrup and not the fruit itself. Yeah. And so whenever we get those, it's the ones that are in water and not syrup. Which still I would rather just have fresh fruit, but or frozen fruit, something like that. Yeah, you know, you never know where this podcast is gonna go, do you? Is are we there at uh, the poll yet? Christmas. Oh, I mean, we can. Yeah, that, that could be a great. That's hey, all the Thanksgiving first, before, talk. We're no, no. Have. Before that, a couple things. Oh yeah. For those who don't sport, you're just gonna have to. F- My Tennessee Vols dropped a absolute deuce 
on the football field, and I hate sports and never want to watch them again. That was not a literal statement, hopefully. Oh, well, I did. <laughs> I was thinking if I was here right now, Eesh. I would go onto the field. Eesh. Oh, here we go. And I would make that. Johnny Rant field. here for a second. My mm-hmm. team almost lost. Just like Andy did on The Office. <laughs> yes. Your team didn't play well, but still won, and that's way better than getting your butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather be a Michigan fan right now. It is true. One hundred percent. You know what's funny? So is okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. We have some friends that are from Ohio. Okay. And we're gonna be hanging out with them on Saturday. Amanda said, Can we hang out with them on Saturday? And I know they're hardcore Ohio State fans. And I said Ugh. Can they not come over during the game? Is this an acceptable thing for absolutely. me to request? I said, I really That's, I love absolutely. them. I love them too much to be like all up in their face yelling at them. That's right. During the game. That's right. Think whether you sport or don't sport. I just want you to think if you loved a team or a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's say TV show if you don't sport, and someone was going to come over that hated that show or team. Absolutely no way. There's no way I want to watch a Vols game with an Alabama fan. It's just not going to happen. Right. Right. I would say I'm sorry. I just I don't I don't I don't want to do that. There it is. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Well, and I wouldn't you. expect an well, Alabama fan. <laughs> no, I wouldn't expect someone to invite me who screams and shouts and stuff to something that, yeah. We we have a, a Friends like party every year where we watch episodes of Friends because that was mm-hmm. our you know, that was our thing back in the day in college. We all love friends. But we have some friends that aren't invited because they don't like friends. Yeah. It's not that we don't like wrong them. With it. It's just we don't want you yucking our yum. You know exactly what I mean? Exactly right. Why Get if you here. why if you love something would you just invite someone that hates it over? That's just stupid. Yeah. So that's okay. that's words of wisdom. From I needed me. validation from John, and that's exactly what I got. Oh, so. that's an easy validation. Couple more brief sports things. The Lions are on a rampage. <laughs> if anyone cares right now, three games, <laughs> and we are in the running for the playoffs. There was a curse that was broken yeah. by a Peyton Manning and who else? It was Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Jeff Daniels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you see the video? No. It's pretty funny. It's it's pretty all right. So whether you sport or not, you might want to check out the curse breaking. Yeah, the, Peyton Manning and Jeff Daniels. The curse of Bobby Lane. He said the Lions won't win. What they said was, the legend is that he said when he was leaving, you won't win for 50 years. And so when Matthew Stafford came along, everyone thought, oh, this is the guy who's going to break the curse. He did not. But now they did a curse-breaking ceremony, and we've not lost a game since then. Three in a row, and we're in the hunt for the playoffs. Unbelievable. We have a very hurt team. We're playing one of the best teams in the league. We're playing the Bills on Thanksgiving. So I don't oh, I don't expect to win, but... They destroyed us. Yeah, that's enough of that talk. Uh, one more. If hockey. We have hockey fans. We have Canadian listeners. Yes, we do. So my Red Wings are doing pretty good, and they play the Predators tomorrow night. So there that's it is. exciting, too. That's our team, Nashville. All right, let's get to on to the poll. All right. What do you got? So, Something Christmassy. Well, yeah, and Thanksgiving-y. And for those who don't, you know celebrate thanksgiving you're overseas then we apologize but or christmas i think if you don't celebrate christmas well i thought about saying that which is fine it's true so everyone doesn't do that um but i i tend to i've been told dean that i always put qualifiers on everything so i'm trying to not do that on everything now all right not that i don't care about people who do celebrate but i'm like well you don't do this you don't do this or let me let me preface it with this i've been told i do that too much so 
I did something. This is what started this poll. I did something that was apparently rapidly offensive to a lot of people. Oh, really? On this poll you did? This week. I put up my Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. Oh, I thought you meant you put something in the no, poll. That, oh, no, okay, I Dean got, got really nervous. No, um, no, no. I was excited to no, hear what this no, scuttlebuzz was I about. I have never done that, and I think I'll continue this conversation after the poll. But I was surprised, maybe nay shocked, at how passionate people are about this. So I thought, well, we might as well do a poll. The question is... I clicked out of it. I just want to do the exact question for Dean. All right, what you got? When is an acceptable time to put up Christmas decorations? Okay. When is an acceptable time to put up Christmas decorations? After November 1st, after Thanksgiving, December 1st or later, also thinking of people overseas that might not celebrate Thanksgiving, right? Like, I know a lot of people in America are like, we do it after Thanksgiving. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, when do you do it? Oh, I got you. So December 1st or later, um, or any time with three exclamation points. So again, after November 1st, Thanksgiving, December 1st, or any time. I will say I'm going to make the assumption that most of the people that responded do celebrate Thanksgiving, but maybe that's a big assumption. I'm going to say that after Thanksgiving. That's what I'm going to say. Number one answer, book it. Landslide winner. Okay, there we go. It was 50.9% said after Thanksgiving. Mm, okay. So the next one was much closer. What would you say that would be? December 1st. That's exactly right. Which yeah. is my birthday, by the I'm way. You know, it. I didn't even realize that that was when I put it he in there. He did too. Did not. Okay. 23.5%. 17.6 said after November 1st, and only not even a percent said anytime. I think we had one vote maybe that said anytime. It was, my, that right? old, it was my oldest sister. No, no, we had one vote. My bad, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was it was seven percent point eight. It was eight percent said anytime. My oldest sister Mary, if she if she saw the poll, I thought you might say that anytime. What would you say? What would you say is an acceptable time to put up Christmas decorations? What was the you said November first was the other? I one? think that that's what you would. say. I would have said that. I would yeah. have said that. I thought yeah. that I I thought that's what you would probably. Say. I, I I here's what I really think though. If you want to put it up anytime, you go for it. I'm not offended. Yeah, I've, we put it so during the COVID year, we didn't we we all wanted a little bit of joy, and I think a lot of people put up their Christmas trees way early. Do we put different. ours up, uh, maybe right after, right after Halloween, maybe. Wow. Yeah. That's that's that's. Early. It was early. It was early. Maybe it was after November first, something like that. I don't know, but which would have been the day after Halloween. So yeah, somewhere around that time. So I personally have been one that says we can't do it till after Thanksgiving. I have for most of my life. Maybe I haven't been like rabid about it, but super serious. But this is what's happened, Dean. What happens when you get older with the passing of time? You, your body ages, it decays, and you you die. No, no, that's that's not the question. How fast does time move as you get older? Pretty fast, real fast. And I've noticed the last several years that it feels like as soon as I put the tree up, we're taking it back down. And I thought to myself... Self, I want to enjoy this a little bit longer. No one's coming over to my house for Thanksgiving, which I think that that's matters. Mm-hmm. 
If people were coming over, I probably wouldn't have put it up yet. Yeah. No one's coming over. Just put the tree up. I yeah, you know it's it's I'm going to go to a darker place for just cool. a second. The lady who cut my hair the other day, she lost her dad on Christmas Day 2 years ago, I think is what she said. And you know, for her she's like it it doesn't have any any of the same meaning anymore. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I'm so sure. which so there are a lot of people out there who have that that piece of you know, I, it's really difficult to celebrate. Yeah. And so that's that's yeah. a whole nother piece of that level of that where where it's tough. You know, it's it's tough for a lot of people. For me, I've always felt actually, I don't, I'm not one to. I haven't really struggled a lot with mental health issues in my life. One small, very acute area of my life, honestly, has been putting up the Christmas decorations. I would get extremely sad for several days. I don't know yeah. why. I, I really don't know why because I'm not generally that way. But anyway. It's, well, I think so I like of, having them up for longer. Man, this is get we're getting deep. I think that it, it just becomes there's not as much to look forward to, right? Like after Christmas, there's this kind of lull. Like you had this big celebration, you got stuff and you gave away stuff, and everyone was happy. And like, what? Okay, I look forward to summer in five months or four months. Like, mm. you know, I think that that there's definitely. And then it's also cold outside, and you know, yeah, you can't do as much stuff, but. Yeah, I thought that you were going to say that you were getting your hair cut and got stabbed in the head and almost died. Oh, gosh. Wow, that would have been very dark. Mm. Speaking of dark. Tim, hold up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let me give a few. I really had no transition Let me there. give a few <laughs> things of what Abipal Town said since Dean has taken us. I, I want to turn this off myself. Oh, man. Man. Uh, have a Tim good cry. E says, uh, what if I do if it's the 27th of November this year? Um, that's the first. Hold up, hold up first advent. Oh, shoot. Don't know if this thing outside. Oh, don't know if it's a thing outside of Germany, but we number the four Sundays prior to Christmas and celebrate them a little. Yeah, Advent. That's we the way the I same. grew up. Yeah. We do a lot the same, exactly. And there's, um, yeah, I'm actually reading a book on that and recognizing that that starts this Sunday or it's actually next. next. I'm start. Yeah, it starts on next, uh, this, yeah, upcoming, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, so, yeah. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. And then uh, Michael Davis said, uh, voted for after Thanksgiving, but it's okay, basically, with putting maybe, like, outdoor decorations up in Buffalo if it's colder climates. So, like, if it feels like Christmas, maybe you go ahead and start. Maybe so it's Buffalo more of a feel. It's, it's pretty year-round in Buffalo, then? Is that? I mean, did you see? I've been to Buffalo in yeah. the summer, and it was... It was not hot. (laughs) (laughs) And then lastly, Derek O says, right after Thanksgiving, motivation is a big factor. We have around 10 to 15 big totes of Christmas stuff. Oh, Derek. 10 or 15. That would be, uh, uh uh-uh. You know, my wife, uh, someone mentioned this the other day, and they said, you know, I like to put up Christmas lights outside. And I said, I used to do that. Mm -hmm. And my wife loves it. And I told her, if you want Christmas lights outside, put them up yourself. Woof. All right. I don't usually have like like there's just certain things where I draw lines. And at this point, I'm so sick of spending so much time putting up Christmas lights. However, if my sons, which she claims one of them is, were all into it and we wanted like Christmas vacation or house and they were going to help and stuff, yeah, I probably still wouldn't do it. Oh, they, yes. they wouldn't want to help tear it down. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. That would be the that's problem. True. I'd be thinking, yeah, you're all excited now, but when it comes to tearing down, you're not going to do it. All right, I'm ready Speaking to, of tearing to move up, on this. Go ahead. You go ahead and, and talk about the next thing. Well, I was just going to say, before we get into board games... Um, because we've gotten into board games so far. Yeah. Well, I just want to talk about Patreon for just one second. 
because hold up. John wants to talk about how people patronize us. Oh. I was. <laughs> those were the exact words that you used earlier today. That's exactly right. <laughs> I just want I want to be really fast on this, uh, but Jennifer Davis is a new Meeple Town resident <laughs> when it comes to Patreon. Uh, I wanted to also mention that we had when we set up Patreon, we had a lot of like here's this reward for this and that for that, and we are so swamped that we have not. I don't know if we have fulfilled all of those um like we aren't doing videos anymore so like we had like thanks patrons and we had the names on there for those who had been at that support level um but we haven't been doing videos much but i think we'll probably keep them up there but just wanted to say that we're kind of we're we need patreon honestly like need is probably a strong word but we are so thankful since it's thanksgiving for the patrons out there because what that has allowed us to do, because we're not doing video reviews, so we are not getting review copies, we are buying everything that we review. Right, Dean? Yep. Straight up. So, like, we'll talk about Mosaic. I bought it. We're going to talk about Acropolis. We bought it with, uh, actually, we bought Mosaic with Meeple Town money, Acropolis with Meeple Town money. We bought um, some games that we haven't talked about yet with Meeple Ready, Town money. Ready, set, bet. Money. We yep. haven't had a chance to play Ready, that Ready, set, yet. bet with Meeple Town money. And so, um, thank you. Thank you. And if we had a commitment that said we will play games with you or something and we haven't and you were a patron, message us, email us. We will. We want to fulfill that. We are not going to be liars. We're going to be doers of truth. Like yeah, that. I like that. Let's, change like our, that. let's just change our podcast to doers of truth. <laughs> uh, at meepletowngames.com, at gmail.com, sorry. MeepleTownGames at gmail.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anything like that or on the Discord server. So anyway, we would love more like uh, any we would love more support to be able to just keep buying more games because it is there is a times where we go. Mm. It does make it a whole lot easier on us to do it this way as opposed to requesting yeah. the the review copies. Uh, it just in in general it puts a lot less stress on us. We can be we can play what we want to play, which we do anyway. I mean we we do that we turned down a lot of stuff but we just haven't accepted a lot of review copies we've i've turned down several uh over the last couple months and it makes things easier because there's no feeling like there's a time crunch and even though i don't think review copies at all taint my reviews um it absolutely no way can like i don't think that i ever go they gave me a review copy i'm gonna rate it higher but i know there's a human element in everything Sure. I'm just being real. Like, so like if there's a reviewer or a company that loves you and like they're super nice people and stuff, it's kind of like with my Airbnb. I try to be super nice to people because I know if I am, it'd be a little bit harder for them to rate it (laughs) and not as good, I think. Yeah. And I mean, just to be honest too, if you, if you do give something a bad rating that you've, that you've, you know, played a lot and it was a review copy Sometimes people don't respond well to that, and so that's you yeah. know another element that we just we want to do this for fun, and and some of those some of those places are not a good fun place to go. So on top of that, a couple other options. If you're like I love Meeple Town, I don't really want to do Patreon. That's a monthly thing. I just can't do that. Um, it, there's other ways. I mean, you can support us by giving reviews on on Apple Podcast or any of those other ones. That really helps us a lot. We're going to be working on doing some other options or an other option. One of them we're looking at is buy a, buy me a coffee, which is what Rolling Dice and Taking Names uses, I believe. And I've heard some other ones that use that. There's some other options of you know one time giving. We've had people that say, hey, I want to send you this game. 
give me an address. We'll do oh, that. That's a good you know, point. any yeah. any of those other ways that you want to support, and we're not we're never gonna you know change this where you have to support us through those options. But if you want to, then we appreciate that. And just yeah. just reach out to us on on uh, Meeple Town, and we'll we'll have more information hopefully next episode about mm-hmm. that other option, whether it's buy me a coffee or another one. And if you say, hey, buy me a coffee is stupid. Try this other one. Reach out to us because yeah. we definitely want to know what, what some other options would be. And the last thing before we dive into the first review is we mentioned mm, a podcast or two ago that we I'm going to go hard for the underdog of Meeple Town to be nominated for a Geek Golden Geek Award. And I'm going to go so hard that Dean and I are going to come up with a challenge Shave our heads, get Meeple Town tats. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that. But something decent. And I haven't had any people respond yet. So go on to the Discord. Go on to the Guild. If any of you have like a clever idea for if somehow we were able to be nominated, we know we're not going to win. I mean, but hey, South Carolina just beat Tennessee in football and whipped us. So you never know, right? <laughs> you just never know. We want to do something crazy. So there you go. Yeah. First game. Okay. All right. So let's go on. We've got a couple mail things that we'll get to, not today, um, but we'll we'll get to that hopefully next week, uh, some some mail. But if you have any questions or anything like that you want us to talk about on the air, mail at gmail.com is a place to reach us there. I'm going to talk about a game that John has not played, so I'm just going to be me for a very brief moment. But I got a game day for my birthday, which I do every year, and typically we play some Halloween-esque games. The one I wanted to play this year was not necessarily a Halloween type of game, but it maybe kind of fits in that. That is Rear Window. This is based on the Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece movie of of Rear Window. Have you seen the movie? Um, no, I've actually never seen it. And it's this is one of those things where Dean's like, John, stop talking about games. He talk, He mentions Rear Window every time. He loves his Rear Window. It's, it's <laughs> I haven't his, talked he about it on the thing. episode at all yet, though. I know. No, oh, okay. but you're always like rear window this, rear window that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. First off, let me say, I watched the movie in preparation for this, and you can watch it for free on Vimeo, and I recommend it. It was a good movie. It was made in 1952, I think it was, sometime in the 50s. And in the movie, you have a the main character who is injured and is is uh, just able to sit down in their apartment. So the whole movie takes place inside of his apartment. And he's sitting there really just stalking people, looking at, looking at them through his binoculars or through his camera and uh, just checking them out in their rooms, which is a little creepy. If it sounds creepy, it is. And actually, there's a lot of, a oh, lot of ethics Dean, re- Dean really relates to this person a lot. That's why he likes it so much. <laughs> I might do this if I ever injured myself. But it, a lot of people talk about this in ethics classes in college because it's, it's really interesting. Is it, is it okay to... to you know, observe a, a a murder or turn into murder if how you discovered that is through stalking people through their through your rear, rear window. Anyway, in the game, this is going to play out a little bit like Mysterium, where you are giving cards that give clues where to help the other players discover something. Okay, so in this game, you have these different apartment windows for. And you have a person and their attributes that you're trying to discover for each of these different locations, four different locations. And so you're going to have eight cards on your turn. If you are the director, you're going to have eight cards. 
you're going to put two cards in each of those locations and you don't have any, you can't choose which ones you're given eight cards. And then you have to like pick from those. If you really don't like a couple of them, you can put two face down so that, you know, you're not trying to give information that's not actually there. And then from that, John, if I give you these clues, you're going to say, okay, I think it's this person with this attribute in every one of those locations. And then if you've ever played the, oh, what's the mastermind? If you ever played mastermind, it's like, okay, you have three pieces of information correctly out of eight. And that's it. I'm not going to tell you which pieces of information are right. Now you have to go and I give you eight more clues for the next one. And then for the this next sounds one. sounds just like up your alley. Oh, it is. It is. It, it is a blast. We played it two or three times in a row then and then played it again the next weekend with the same people. And it was a lot of fun. Now, what I've heard from other people is that this game is pretty easy. I've heard some people say that. Hmm. Uh, that was not our experience. We did win most of the time. I don't. We did not win all the time. But so when we won, hit, it was hitch. not like a, a slam dunk kind of thing. Got we were winning, winning on the last day, and it was pretty tight okay. for the most part. But it, you've not played Mysterium, or but you have played uh, Deception and Murder in Hong Kong, which also has some of those similar elements, right? Yeah, I like, I like Deception. This is another one of those type of games. I really want to try this with you. I think yeah, you I would might, play it. You might enjoy it. I don't know if you would love it, but for me, I think it's... I, I liked it better than Mysterium, I'm pretty sure. And I really like Mysterium. Yeah. This is a great game. We've had a lot of fun with it. Love you it. Pick this one there up at go. Target, any places like that. How much that. is it? Probably like $25. I was going to say, it's usually... When you it's can get on there, Amazon they... for $22 right now. Wow. And the components are great, too. What's nice it rated on insert. BGG? It Let's is see. rated a 7.7. 7. Came wow. out this year. Yeah. I've heard, I have actually heard quite a few people talk about this game and how good it is and stuff. The art looks really cool. Yeah, the the whole style, it's all yeah. really neat. I would say, and the, the other cool thing, we played the first three games with none of the advanced role attributes. So I, I'm not going to really go into what the advanced ones are because without seeing it doesn't make a lot of sense. But you can change the difficulty of the game too. So if it's like, it's this is too easy, you add those more difficult attributes. And when you have the murder token in there, it's possible. So we're playing cooperative. But if one of them is the murderer, then myself as the director, I'm trying to throw you off. I want you have to then get a certain amount of clues correct, but not guess that it's a murderer, and then I can win the game. But for the other team, for the rest of the team to win, they have to get seven or eight of the clues correct, plus guess which one the murderer was. And that's that's really cool that's, too, because there's it is cooperative, but there's a chance, a smaller chance that. Somebody is the murderer. And I, I just I think that's so cool. <laughs> I know you love that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's weighted to 1.62, um, which is nice to just... Easy teach. Yeah. If you're really the director, you can just throw people into the mix, and it's it's real simple. Cool. I would say I'm probably somewhere at like seven and a half, eight on this one. Probably seven go. and a half, I would say, but it's a lot of fun. Sweet. What game do you want to talk about first together? I got Oak. Oak on here. Okay. Okay. I'm pulling it up on BGG. While you're pulling that up, Oak is... I'll just say this is a... Um, the designer is Wim Goosens, and this is from Game Brewer. This is one that John mentioned when we did our top SN games, correct? Was this Yeah, on it was list? It was very high. Like, yeah. And you said you were surprised that it wasn't on my list. Top five, for sure. Maybe like three or something like that. Yeah. So in this one, the reason why you thought it would be on my list is because you have... It's a worker placement, pretty simple worker placement, but you can change the the... Uh, powers, I guess, of what those different workers do. They're druids, and you can make them certain types of druids. And now one can be placed in a spot where he would normally be able to be placed, or 
you know, uh, what the, else can they do? Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll take you it go from ahead. here. I'll yeah, take it from it. here, Dean. <laughs> what? You don't like that? No, you're doing pretty good, but like you're starting to fumble, so I'll just pick, <laughs> I'll pick up the ball and run. Like you're good, you did good though. You, know <laughs> you taught the game too. It so. happens. Okay, so Oak was really high for me, and I thought that Dean was going to like it straight up because you could put like cloaks and headdresses and eagles or whatever the bird is on your on your um it's a workers it's a raven a raven i'm sorry to make them more powerful um but bef- i guess we talked about the gameplay okay so and then we'll i'll, I'll give the gameplay you're sorry, fumbling so explanation I'll go ahead and take no i know i am <laughs> I'm just kidding. then we're going to talk about our component well we're not going to do all that though no this, this isn't a these, full-on review we're just okay talking about what we play so yeah so here's the deal in this game you're going to be playing cards uh and as you play a card there's several things that you can do. You're going to have to send your worker out to one of the temple spots, basically. And if there's another worker there, it's going to cost you two workers. You have to place a worker in that temple spot, and you're also going to have to send one to the bottom of the oak tree, which is going to mean that you're going to have to take actions to get those workers back. So you know that can be a pretty big deal. Um, so it can get it can be pretty tight. It can be like if someone takes your spot, that's a really you know kind of big deal. But those three starting cards that you have uh, can be all upgraded. So there's a chance that you could have you know six cards potentially in your hand to be able to do actions. You can also build spots for your workers to come rest on because if you don't have those on your player board, you can't take more workers. They have to have a place to rest. Mm. They have to have a place to chill. Um, you also have this big oak tree in the center that you'll be going up three different types of tracks. And at the end of those tracks are like scoring that happens immediately um, based on how many creature cards do I have? How many uh, points do I have at this particular time or whatnot? But also as you go up that oak, uh, there are going to be times where there's solstices, solstice, solstice, that you're going to get rewards by engine building. Like there's, of the three different resources that you have, you can go brew potions that can give you different things. I mentioned you can get creatures that will give you kind of perpetual bonuses throughout the game and points. And then lastly, you watch Wildcrats. I have creature powers. That's creature what powers. I was thinking That's when you talk about this. Okay. You can build shrines for straight up six points, which are, it's, there's a lot of points in this game. And then finally there's artifacts and going into gameplay. Let me just talk about that. Cause I think that's one of the neater parts of it. If you pick up an artifact, you place it next to your player board, you can hold two, and you start with lining up, gain four points, and you gain four points. But if you decide that those have worker placement spots on them, if you decide to take the action, you take your worker, place it on that, no one else can go on it, and you get a very powerful action generally, but then you go, and you turn it a little, and you lose a victory, not always. There are some that you don't lose any, but most of the time you're going to lose a victory point or two. Then, if you want to use it again, doot, doot, you're going to lose even more victory points. And so most of them, they all have four slots, I believe, either gaining points or by the end losing points. And after you do that, you used it up. So it's a worker placement game slash card placement. So you might say Arnak, right? You might say Dune Imperium, but there's not really deck building maybe deck enhancing like upgrading like you can upgrade your deck kind of but you get to always keep the cards i thought because I mean, of all really, these factors dean really was going is, to love this game did it he? is deck building you i would say but i i'm but with you only you. have three cards to build your deck with yes but I'm, I'm guessing if i look at the credits it probably falls in that category but it i, w- I would put it in the category of all those even if no it doesn't show deck building but i i think it is 
but I'm and it's coin also it always the same. Upgrading. The same, yeah. That's that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But it's always the same three cards. So yeah. uh, three additional cards. Okay. Yep. You know, I love Arnak. I love Endless the art's Winter, beautiful. All of I know we're not taking time. The art looks beautiful. Art is beautiful. Okay. Components are are fantastic. Very good. Too. Yeah. yeah. With putting those, I the got the base upgraded game. Basic workers. One too. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what's in the deluxe. I don't. Wow. Okay. I think they're screen printed. Pause for just a stuff. second. Game Brewer does this really well. We talked about this in oh, a game that yeah. we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, but you don't have to have the deluxe versions of the games. And I like that you can still get them after these Kickstarter campaigns or whatever. Yes. But, thank you, Game Brewer. But you don't need them because the components are usually really good yeah, in those. And then I like how Game Brewer, in my opinion, they do it the way I like it. Like they don't go crazy mm-hmm. on the deluxe versions. Yep. Like there are some upgrades, but they also don't go crazy on the price. Yep. Like it's a reasonable, in my opinion, price, 75 bucks or something for you get metal coins and screen printed meeples, you know, or something like that. You're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But it's not like $150 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday yep. for this just like it over... You can overproduce, but in my opinion, overproduced, but they can do it. People can do whatever they want. Yeah. Okay. So the things that I thought I was going to like about the game are those, Ooh, the, the upgraded workers the and, and all of that. I, I And I did. I thought the upgrading of the workers was cool. It was interesting. Here's the thing. When John taught me the game, he said, just so you know, this is one of those games where you can do a lot of things and not score a lot of points, which is absolutely true. And Dean usually does not do well at those games. Well, that's, I mean, it is true, but initially, initially. what, what the difference of this game was, is that the way that you score points was just not very interesting to me. Yeah, you said that. It, it, and I've, I've played it a couple times now and this game just did not do it for me. And I get why people like it. And it's because of those worker placements. It's that, you know, there's, it's tight. Everything's really tight with the actions that you can take. You're not going to be able to do that many things in this game. But the ways that you score the points just are, they didn't do it for me at all. Mm. I mean, it's, you're subtracting points to be able to take actions, which is pretty clever. The The way that if you move up too far on the scoring track, you're not able to get some of the bonuses. Yeah, that at, solstice know, the that I mentioned yeah. earlier, uh-huh. like if you're ahead of the solstice marker, which is like lined up with the uh, victory point track, you don't get, so it's kind of like a catch-up mechanism. Yeah. You don't get those. So you, I think there are a lot of tactical decisions on when to do things and stuff, all of that, mm-hmm. especially with the oak tree, because you, when you get to the end, you score points immediately based on stuff. And here's the thing. If Dean goes to the end of that tree, I have till the end of the round or that bonus gets locked out. So yeah. the whole game, you're kind of tactically thinking like, oh man, should I, you want to wait until you can maximize the points. But then you also are thinking, well, oh, what if I did this right now? And then I lock Dean out from getting that. <laughs> or I can score more points than him right now. I'm going to take it now. If he gets there by the end of the round, fine. But I've got three more points in him. So in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the coolest piece of the scoring, I think, for me and my experiences. Yeah. The other ways like that, that you score points, it. you move up a tree. You you get points. You can yeah. You know I, I don't know. You, it just, it's just if you get a creature, you get a few points. Did you like the creatures, like the powers though? How like that could change the game, or did that not do a lot for you? No, I I like that. Okay, and really a lot of the pieces of this I like just fine, and that's one mm-hmm. of them. I thought that was cool, the, and I do think those uh, what are the discs? artifacts? Yeah, the artifacts. Yeah. Those are those are that was cool. clever. That was cool. But how it all comes together and how you score points, I would have liked to, for it to have been a little more exciting in how you score points. That was the biggest. But it was a big knock for me. So we're not, you know, we're not rating these or anything. But I told John I'm probably somewhere at like a five and a half, six. I say let's one. rate it. I, I, 
five and a half, six. That's a pretty low score for this. Five, five I, means that it's an average game, slightly boring, take it or leave it. That's that's probably closer to where I'm at. So I'd, I'd say like a five and a half. Yeah, this was one of Rado's most anticipated games because he had played it and yeah. really enjoyed it. So I'm going to have a little different take than Dean. I did think like the artifacts with the creatures, with the little upgraded druids that you can have, did make for a, a solid midweight euro it's weighted at 3.17 um i don't think i've hardly played game brew games that i don't like or don't enjoy i enjoyed this one but i didn't love it um i don't think there was anything in it that made me super want to come back for a lot more you know what i mean like it was just like yeah that was a fun game i liked it but i'm not sitting around going man i can't wait to play oak again you know, yeah, and I like those tactical decisions because you got y'all know if you listen to me, I like that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't really, I can't put super finger on it. Besides, even though it had some cool mechanics, I, I kind of the more I played it, the less interested I was in it as well. Like I know the cards are going to come out a little different every time, but yeah, I was just, it's it's seven out of ten for me. I just that, that's that's I'm usually willing to play it. I think I am. I thought you were a little higher on that. Yeah, I've but. lowered it since then. Like I think I'm usually willing to play it. Um, I've, having distance between playing games helps a lot because I ask myself <laughs> or hurts or yeah. hurts. Yeah. I mean, I think it can help because like I was leaning a little bit higher, but then I started saying eight is I'm gonna I'm going to uh, suggest it, and I don't think I'll ever suggest it. Like, and it's not it's not a bad game. It's fine, but if Jonathan, I'll just ma- mention somebody, or uh, Steven, or whomever, or uh, Jennifer, who just supported us on Patreon, said, hey, would you like to play Oak? I would say, yeah, let's play, I think. But there's a plenty other midweight Euros I would pick over it. Um, I'm right there with yeah. you. And, and and I do think that games like Endless Winter, which is probably Speaking the one... Of Endless Winter, it's getting cold in here and it, I'm putting my jacket on. It is on. pretty cold, yeah. <laughs> I left mine over there. I have a loud jacket on today, which is why I'm not wearing it, but I'm freezing oh. over here. But it's, it's difficult in the mix of all of those other games that are some of my favorites. Yeah. It's, it really needs to stand out, and this one just doesn't for me. I was super excited, and I was... Fine. Okay. But it's going to the sale pile. The next one we're going to talk about, since John didn't make a list of which order I did. Ooh, okay. Ready for this? We're going to talk about the Guild of Merchant Explorers. Okay. This is one that's that's kind of a new hotness. All these are 2022 releases that we're talking about today, I think. Yeah, they are. Uh so Guild of Merchant Explorers is one that getting a lot of buzz. It's it's being referred to as the AEG game by Matthew Dunstan and Brett, Brett Gilbert, which is Part of the reason why it's getting a lot of mm-hmm. buzz. The name of the game is not why it's getting buzz because this is the most generic name of all the land. It is very generic. I per- love the box cover, by the way. Yep, but it's pretty bland still. And I don't dislike it either, but it's it's pretty bland. Yeah. Nothing really sticks out from this game. If it was like, the Guild of Meeple Town, it would really stand out. It's like I'm... Explorers. I don't want you to play this game. I'm going to do whatever I can, give it a generic name so it just kind of like falls in the mix of everything else. But Who's the name guy or gal? What? I, publisher. Like, who is the naming guy or gal? Like, person. Is it... Do you think that... I'm, I'm sure it just varies, right? Sometimes the designer has a name. I think usually the publisher has, has a lot more control over I that. I was going to say, like, they would probably be the one to veto if someone was like... You know, if Matthew Dunstan was like, hey, let's call it the Guild of... You know, they'd be like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. Or like, hey, let's try this. Yeah, I would... Yeah. It's the expansion... I don't hate the name... 
But I get what you're saying is kind of bland. Yeah. We have the Adventurers expansion coming out would be my guess of what the, right? Like that kind of yeah. falls in. Anyway, but in this game, it gets referred to as a flip and write game, although you're not writing anything on the board. It just has that feel. Everybody has their own individual map. You're flipping these cards over that tell you where you can place your cubes. And you're going to put your cubes on these four different types of terrain and... As you're doing that, as you fill up these different regions, let's say you have four grassland ones. Once you fill up all those with your cubes, then you can put a village in there. You get a point or two or three or four, depending on which round this is. And then you're going to be moving about the map. There's different locations that you can go to, like you can go to the ruins, and that gives you treasure cards, which are good things for you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's in-game scoring. Sometimes it's immediate things that happen. You can go to these different towers, and when you place in the tower, you get more and more points as you go along. Uh, what else can you do? You, you go across the sea and there's, you know, different locations. Oh, you can connect cities. And when you do that, you multiply the numbers on there to give you points, but you can only go to one of, you know, you can't go to one of those from that point on after that. Uh, lots of different things you can do. So you start off in the game with four different maps. And then there's, I bought this, uh, I actually bought this from Andy, Andy Matthews at Meeple Mountain at a local flea market that we did recently, which he gave me a good deal. Are on there this. were there any fleas there? No fleas. Is that is that? Uh, actually, I can't. I don't know. Maybe there were. Is it called a flea market because like it's just kind of because there were like dirty fleas? Like like is that where it comes Probably. from? I bet. It or is. is it like flea like a bunch of little stalls? Flea stalls. Like a flea can be something small. Like a lot of times at flea markets, there's a bunch of stalls, and like I'm just wondering if it's like oh, a bunch of stalls, little little things. Speaking from my gonna, experience at flea I'm markets, I'm gonna work this out. I'm gonna say it's the former. I'm gonna say it's the actual fleas. Is my guess. Okay, keep going. All right, so I bought this from him, and I've played it uh, four times now. And the cool thing is the maps change things up. I won't go into all the different maps that I've played or whatever, but but you can have different things like crystals that come out in the maps. And you also have these objective cards that you're trying to fulfill, and that's how you're going to get a lot of your points. And I didn't mention this, but at the end of the round, you're going to clear all your cubes, and then you restart. And everyone's going to be gaining these different cards that help them to add more cubes. So if I draw the one card then anytime that one card is drawn in the future, including the one you just did, you're going to take two cards and you're going to pick one. And now that's a, a bonus action that you can take and only you can take mm-hmm. whenever that card's drawn, which could be place five cubes out on the board in these different regions or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. All right, John, you've played this now one time, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. So Dean, uh, was he bought it and he was like, get over to my house right now. We're playing this. Stop this everything moment. you're doing. We actually uh, did a game morning that we normally don't do. Uh, because of it, because he was so excited about it. Yeah, I mean, really, right? Like you were pretty pumped about it. Um, I love. I really like Matthew Dunstan. He's he always. How did I sell you on this though? I said, John, this feels like it feels like a Kingdom Builder s game, which it does. It has some of those vibes to it. It does have some of those vibes, and all you. The only thing you had to say to sell me on it was Matthew Dunstan. Actually, oh, okay. and I would have been like, okay, yeah, cool. Because like I, I feel like like Matt when he designs a game, I am generally never over the moon. Like, oh, this is top 10 or top 50, top 100. But I'm always very happy with how it played. And I feel the same way about Guild of Merchant Explorers. Um, I think it's cool how when you're putting out your explorers onto the map, they come back every round. And it kind of adds a different type puzzle, I think, than I've played other games. 
Because usually, like, if it's, you know, like, a flipping right or whatever, Dean, like, you're going to leave the drawings on the map, right, and stuff, and you've explored this and gone. But this, you're going to remove them. So you have to not only be thinking about how you can score this round, but you have to start thinking about potentially how you're going to score next round. Yes. Like, okay, i got to set myself up. And uh, the way the cards, the the little, the bonuses, bonus cards come out that give you, like, or I don't know what they're called, but they give you a action and they're super powerful (laughs) they're like all op almost like just hugely powerful the way that you pick those is important and i i i'd seven and a half out of ten uh like like i don't i don't know how much i would suggest it maybe sometimes but i definitely would play it anytime anyone wants to play it i'd be like yeah absolutely i i mean i had a good time yep yeah one of the things so (laughs) Andy, whenever I was talking to him about this game, he actually liked this game, but he was selling it a lot because he was like, "It's the pieces are small, and I knock them off the board, which I totally get that." And it's so the production can be an issue if you you know have shaky hands or, or large fingers. I think this is a difficult game to yeah. to keep the pieces in place potentially, or if the board gets bumped or something like that. But I'm at an eight on this one, I think, and and part of that is because the solo is so stinking good. I really like the mm. solo. This. Uh, Planet Unknown, which is a, a game that is nothing like this. It's a polyomino game that we've talked about. Has the same feeling I get from the solo of that. It's just really easy to play. You're still playing the exact same game with just some makes sense. some twist, and I like that quite a bit in my solo games. So. Well, I, I think that I would maybe like this even more if I did play a solo. I, I, as, as we were playing, I'm like, this would be a great solo game that you can get out pretty quick, set up pretty quick, and go to town. It is. The the rules, yeah. I want like a paragraph of rules extra, and that's all this was. It was like yeah. a couple sentences, super easy to play. The variability with the maps is really cool too, and the when I bought this, it included uh, some promo maps in there, which is even better, because there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with those. So I want to just bring this up, because we haven't done this as much lately. Uh, let's go back to Oak. Oak is about fifty to sixty dollars. Worth it? No. Yeah, not, not for, for me, me either. Guild of Merchant Explorers is thirty-eight dollars on Amazon. I haven't looked it up on other. I was trying to do this while you were talking. Um, Forty dollars on Miniature Mart. So worth it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe fifty or higher would not. I'm gonna be, say, yeah. mm, or forty-five mm, or higher might not. Not be for worth me, it. probably. But I, I, I think it's a. I think that's a fine price on on that game. That's good. It's just, you know. For those who don't know, a lot of really small cardboard bits in this game. For those who don't know, I have a 150 board game collection. And so it's like, I have to make cuts of games I really enjoy. And I don't think this one would make the cut unless it were because of like, I just really wanted to play it solo. Yeah. And maybe. I get that. I get that. You know, yep. So it's cool. All right. Next. Acropolis is up next. Why don't you tell us about this one, John? Yeah. So Acropolis is one that I just, you know, whenever you have to add one more game because you're like $3 away. Or something dumb from getting the free shipping. <laughs> I I bought some games the other day and I was like ninety nine dollars and ninety eight cents, and I needed ninety nine or something. It was just like, are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> so instead of throwing a, no, I don't know, this one like, wasn't that scenario. I was though. okay. No, no, I was like throwing scenario. a pack of sleeves instead of a thirty dollars. No, game. no, that's what I usually do. <laughs> but like, no, in this scenario, I wasn't because this game is. I'm just gonna pull it up. Uh, Thirty dollars at Mini Mart. I think I actually got it cheaper than that. I'm thinking that I bought Acropolis for like twenty five or six. I can't remember if it was Boardlandia. Game Boardlandia was twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like that. Yeah. That, so there's a little bit more there. Um, and I just heard some people talk about this game, and it's rated seven point seven on BGG. Heard it was like a family weight game. It's weighted at one point six nine, and I thought, oh, cool. I'm always up for, you know, that 
point salad weight, right? Like, what's is there a game out there? What's the game of this year that I can play with anybody, and I still have a you know a pretty good time playing it? Um, and so in Acropolis, what you do is you have a starting tile. All the tiles are uh, that you can draft are going to be three pieces of hex tiles all together. And they're going to have different things on it. They're going to have, I can't remember what they're all called, gardens or markets, um, barracks, I believe. And what you'll be doing is taking them from a centered display of like four tiles, the first tile being free, the second one costing a stone, the third one costing two stones. And so you'll be placing them into your Acropolis or whatever, and all of the different color hexes that are gardens or whatnot score differently which is kind of interesting right so the blue hexes i can't remember what they're called you want to you're going to score your largest group together the barracks they must be on the outside of your city the temples i know most of them i just can't remember the blue the temples must be surrounded by tiles whatever tiles um the gardens are just whatever you want merchants want to be by themselves because they're merchants they don't want to have a bunch of other people around them and so if they're touching another merchant they don't score you points but the intriguing part is not only that is that you can build up in this game. So not only are you building out, but in order to gain, for example, stone, the way you do it is there are some tiles that have the little quarries. You have to build up on top of it. And when you do, you take a stone for every quarry that you built on top. You could cover up a market if you wanted to. That does you no good. In fact, it does you bad, potentially. Um, but at the end of the game, you're going to take you know, a point for all of the things that I mentioned if you're on level one. So if you have a barrack on the outside, you get a point. If you have a market on the uh, by itself, you get one point. But if you've built it on level two, you get two points for those. If you build it on level three, you get three points. And what you'll do is multiply that times. There are tiles that come out that maybe um, like have two stars on them for temples. So if you had two temples on level two and you had four stars, you would do um, four times four and get 16 points. Mm -hmm. That's the whole game. What you think? It's a cool game. It's it it has feels of like Cascadia, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like Luna those Capital. types of games that you just. Yeah. Yeah. The difference is you're not drafting two. Like in both of those games, you're drafting two sets of things. This one, you're just drafting the tile. Yeah. But I prefer the two sets of things. I think. But I, this is simpler. I do. I do. Yeah, it is simpler, and it, it, this is a very simple game. The production quality is fantastic in mm -hmm. this one. The tiles are super thick. The gameplay is fun and very tense. That's one of the things yeah. that you mentioned yesterday when we were playing. I've played this twice now. Um, no, we didn't play it yesterday. Two, two days ago. Two days ago. Sorry, two days ago when we played. You, yeah, you, you had talked about how, how tense it was, and I, I totally agree with that. I think it yeah. feels very stressful, maybe even. Um, but but the It doesn't have to, but if you're really trying to win. <laughs> yes. Now, the variety in this game, the variability comes in the in adding those different variants with yeah. it. You know, I, I think that's cool. If it's just the base game, I don't know if I'd be I, I would I would it would lose its luster very quickly. I kind of hope down the road that they add more of those different ways of scoring. Mm -hmm. Maybe a mini expansion for this could add you know, not even necessarily different tiles, but just different ways that those tiles score. Even though I like the way that they score now, and I like I like all the things that this game is doing, I just yeah. can see it getting staler than those other games that I mentioned before. So I'm at like a seven and a half on this one, which is that's exactly good. where I'm at. Okay, I thought you might be there. Same thing. I don't. I don't. It's be. It's such a borderline game for my collection. Mm -hmm. 
This is one where we just said whoever likes it the most gets to keep it. And yeah. We both just gave it seven and a half. And I and I will say it's not like a strong like near an eight. It's actually more near the seven side of things. And that's part of that is because of the variety. And also mm. this suffers from the same thing that Oak does, and that's that I have games in my collection that really fit that niche. This niche, yeah. you know, I yeah. would I would rather play Cascadia. I would rather play. Uh, Luna Capital, and I'm not going to get rid of those other games. So, do okay. I have a need for this one? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know because it's still really fun. But yeah, I think that that's. Hmm. I think that it could be down around a seven potentially, Dean. But also, it could rise if I play it with like newbies, and they're like, "Oh, I love this game." Yeah. I don't know if it might be a little too much for some though. Like, even though the rules are simple, like remembering. That oh this has to be this way and this one has to be this way and this one scores that way. I think for like r- extreme newbies, it might be like a little bit overwhelming at first. Um, but you know that's a good point because yeah. I think actually, in that sense, Cascadia might even be a little bit easier Could to be. play because you can see well you can in this one too. You've got the cards that show the visuals in Cascadia of exactly what you need. Yeah, this is the same, so I think it probably fits in that same. What's it's what's close. the weight on this? It's one point six. Yeah, it's point. Yeah, it's and it's easy to teach. It's just like you might. You know, whatever. But another piece is I thought to myself, and then we'll move on to the next one. This could get old, but there is a variant for every single type of building. Yeah. And so you could add one variant or two or three variants into this game. So they kind of mix it up and like mix and match the variants. So I think that's cool. One of the things that I mentioned to John is if you play a, a like a three player game of this, adding two of those variants so it makes it because basically what the variants do is it makes one of those buildings each variant makes one of those buildings a lot more powerful potentially mm-hmm. if yes. you if you're able to line things up correctly and so you might have some people that are going to be fighting over those so if you have one less than the amount of players that you have I think that's a cool way of adding those in yeah. I don't know if that that's I didn't read the rules I don't think you said that's the way it suggested but or if you want a lessening game one per person I guess it actually it suggested I can't remember like it just said, add one for your first time. I think, like, just okay. to try to ramp you up, and then it said, you know, and then later on, add two to three or something like that. I think it said. Yeah, I doubt I would do more than that. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't want to overwhelm. I, I wouldn't want to make every single one of those buildings that much more powerful. I don't think that's helpful. But no, it wouldn't be. This is a cool game. I'm glad we got to play this one. You've been wanting to try this one for a while. Yeah, so. I have. Anyway, cool. we, we have some other games that we're going to be talking about, but we didn't want to make this episode nine hours long. <laughs> so we're going to get on to our main review of Mosaic, A Story of Civilization. All right, so Mosaic. I kept hearing rumblings of a really nice Civ game that's weighted. Oh, I thought that was my stomach. Yeah, no, that's weighted hungry. medium weight. I look here on BGG. It's only weighted at two point seven eight. I don't think I agree with that. Would you agree with that before I get into yeah, gameplay? Started anything? I don't know anything about this game, John. I'm just asking you. Okay, fine. All right. So Mosaic is a game that's going to have, I think, two main things going on. One is tableau building, and you're going to be purchasing tech cards. And the tech cards may increase production. You have stone, you have food, and you have ideas, which ah, I have to have a good idea to get what? Technology cards. You're also going to be getting building cards. So you'll be getting these cards that are come out to your tableau. Let me say that first. <clears throat> and they're going to have symbols on them and stuff. And some of them are going to say like s- simple things like, hey, you're going to score one point per this symbol you have. <clears throat> Got a frog in my throat here. But the other piece to the game that's important is that you have a giant map. 
<clears throat> Sorry. Goodness, you all right? <clears throat> you have a giant map. And on that map, you may go build a city out onto the map. You may build some type of a merchant to go out onto the map. And there's going to be, as we talk about it during Empire Scoring, uh, there's going to be area majority that's going on. So you have this Civ game that has this map out on the board that you're vying for positions. You have military units that you can put on the map that you know are going to give you bonus points for that area, but you also have this huge tableau building portion to this game that you're going to, by the end of the game, probably have a giant tableau with a bunch of different symbols. But another piece to it that's very important, I believe, is that there are three things, uh, two things, excuse me, that you are racing to in this game. They are golden age tiles, and those tiles will all say, hey, if you have six of this particular symbol in your um, tableau, then you're going to gain this six-point tile. Not only going to gain a six-point tile, it's going to give you a bonus. You have Those are the same every single game uh, because they're just all the symbols that are able to go out onto the board. There's also going to be achievement tiles that you're going to draw 9 out of, I don't know, 15, 14, 15, 16. And those are going to give you things like, hey, maybe you're the first person to build three port cities. Or you're the first person to get 12 stone production. And those are all going to score you 6 points as well. Finally, there's going to be a set of tiles that are wonders that all have their own special abilities. They're all the same. And they might be as simple as you gain 12 points just because you place this here. Or you gain four points for every area that you have the majority in at the end of the game. Um, and you have all these kind of pieces going on, but you're going to score points on the board. You're going to score points on tiles that you race to faster, and you're going to score points in your tableau. Now, the components. Is that it? I think so. I mean, there's more to it, but I can't talk about every little detail. It'd be boring. <laughs> I was already bored. Actually, I know I saw you surfing, which I do too. Uh, I wasn't surfing actually. I was looking up things Pictures. on the oh. on the game. Yeah, you're uh, looking at other people's reviews. A little bit, yeah. And I don't usually do that. I just I had I have some thoughts that I wanted to make sure it was valid. So I didn't read any of the rules in this one. So I don't have much to say about the rule book or anything like that. I do have, I do have some pieces of my mind to share about the components. Wow, of he's this coming game. in, coming in hot, hot. Coming now, in hot. now I have the basic version. FYI, I do not have the deluxe version. This is the anti what we were talking about, Game Brewer. Would if you agree we had with more that? patrons, maybe we could buy the deluxe version. Uh, well, <laughs> I would, I here's the thing: do I don't want that the deluxe version of this game as a as a side note. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It's too big, I think. Gotcha. And, and there's some things I don't. I haven't actually seen the deluxe version, but there's some things that I didn't love about what they did. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful production, but I, it's too big. Yeah. And when Dean says that, by the way. I mean, the guy who has Foundations of Rome, That's I've got Dwellings of Elderville, I've got the new uh, Everdell huge box, Oh my! all of that. Wow. A little disappointed in that too, but I'll get to wow. that at another point. Oh. All right. Uh-oh. Uh, what in the world? Why would you make a game that has in-game, in-game scoring, not just in-game scoring, and not have a scoring track? My biggest complaint. Why? I, it, it is really? in the deluxe version. Yeah, because that's a deluxe thing, right? Yeah. Let no, me, it's dumb. You I have need to, to have a deluxe a, copy of this game to have a scoring track. Yeah. I feel like we stepped back into like the 80s, right? Or something where I got I to gotta pull my notepad out and keep up with scores throughout the game. And that's what the rule book says? Is that what it says? Like, I think it just says keep track of it any way you want or something. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is... Now, now, 
No, in no its there def- is no defense, defense on this. There's no defense on this. In its potential slight defense, which they didn't do on the deluxe. So that, this is a table hog. And I, I would have to have a... You just have to place it around the board, right? You just make the board a little bit bigger. Or... Yeah. You have a bazillion cardboard chits in this game. Make some victory point yeah, ones. You're right. That's totally fine to do. You're right. Now you can't. You don't know what somebody's score is when you do that, so you might want to have the scoring track. But what? So dumb. Seriously. I don't like whoever. I don't know why they didn't do that. Maybe they, someone will write us and be like, "You idiots! This is why." Uh, I don't think so. You will not. I think you that will that not that convince was, me otherwise. Yeah, I think no that way. was one of the biggest component faux pas on Meeple Town history. How do you not have a scoring track? I do not disagree with that. Absolute. Like, I just, would I would crown that. Yeah. I would crown that king in that category yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's a modern board game with no scoring track. Yep. Okay. There are some other things that I didn't love about the production as well. Uh, the I, I think the, the cardboard bits were fine, and I actually kind of like that they did. So the, the stone has one and five okay values of one and five the one are one little stone and then the fives are combined like we show you five stones on this chit yeah now what they did for the food is the wheat is one and the fish which are the exact same size is five would you know that that's a five like yeah i didn't like that like i think it's i mean i think maybe as a person who plays has played the game a lot i like it now kind of but it stinks for teaching the game yeah because you're like what you mean five food is a fish and one food is a wheat and then even like the um ideas it's like a book or like a little scroll so it's different things and so which is fine that one's not as bad but i just have to put them all in one component tray yes now here's a complaint that you would not expect i've got a couple more maybe wow he's coming in hot and heavy one is not necessarily a complaint i think they probably did this right in the deluxe version this is the one area that i think would be cool is having the dials that show you how many different uh, symbols that you have. So John talked about getting all these different symbols from the tech. Well, not just from technology cars, but also from the building and in uh, in your player board. You have all these symbols that you're trying to keep up with. Well, you have to recount those over and over and over again. In the deluxe version, you have these counters. There are these little dials at the bottom of your player board. Those are really nice, I, I think. But it makes the player boards huge in the deluxe version, so I don't know if the payoff is worth it. So I think having some other way of keeping up with that, even if it was just a track with cubes on it, would be mm-hmm. better than not having anything. That's not necessarily like a full-on complaint yeah. because lots of games do that. I just kind of wish there was a better, a better system. Yeah, it didn't bother me at all. Like that was one of those things that he, he Dean kept saying. I'm like, eh. It's fine for me. But I guess my point is, and, and again, you can use dice or something to mm-hmm. keep up with this. I think probably there's you should do this better than what we do. Imagine how much time that adds to it when you have to keep counting those symbols over and over again. That's Yeah, that's not... I mean, yeah, I, I don't... Yeah. I mean, I think it would be cool to, to have that, but it just didn't bother me, right? Yeah. Okay, now here's a complaint. But you also don't count the symbols. After someone gets the tile, You, know, I don't sit around counting the symbols very much. After someone gets to six symbols, yeah, but how? Yeah, that's a long wait, though, right? Because yeah, you're counting a lot be. building yeah. up to that point. It can be, yeah. Because there's yeah. so many. How many symbols are there? I could probably I look this up. Six, maybe. No, no, no. There's nine. Nine that's, symbols. Oh yeah, that's right. Because there's there's yeah nine achievement. So tiles. that's nine different ones that you have to remember over and over again yeah. what you have. So I, but again, not necessarily a fault of the game. I would just think probably if I played this a lot more in the future, I would want to have some sort of system in place to keep up with that. Sure. Okay. A complaint you've not heard me talk about is the 
look of the board, the functionality of the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I get why they made the board look the way they did because the name of the game is Mosaic and they want it to look like yep. a mosaic. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I think the board is very pretty. But functionally, I think it's worse than, than Castles of Burgundy, the new edition. Why? Of being able to see your tiles on there easily. To look at the board and say, I can see that I have two cities and you have three cities and four villages or something like that on there, towns or whatever. And to see to see all of those. Now, if you have the deluxe version, you have these... 3d pieces that stick up off the board Mm -hmm. but you i you might disagree with me but i don't really know how because it's (laughs) it's a very bright board and it's a very busy board and you put these flat tiles on top of it that don't really stick out that much and i i think it becomes very difficult to just look at the board and see exactly where you stand Mm -hmm. even with the borders on that like the way greece and assyria border each other you have to keep lifting up those tiles to remember Oh, this is actually in Assyria, not in Greece, or vice versa. So okay, so yeah, that, I've got some issues with that. I had no problem with what he's talking about, except for I do understand like when they're the border. I don't. I'm not saying I disagree with him. It just, it just, I'm just being honest. It never crossed my mind. Oh, I can't see this very well, or it's blending in, or whatever. The border thing is interesting. I don't really know how you fix that much though, because he is right. When it's on the border, you can't tell exactly what city if you don't remember or what region but it really if i remember i don't really know what i would do different it's only in that assyria greece part that we had the most issues with i think and and they're actually kind of like there were a couple times more than one occasion on different games where you thought i have a city in this region Mm -hmm. but it was actually in the other region yeah yeah and i that's what i'm saying like that i don't disagree i i don't disagree with you i just don't what would you do like make some type of mini that shows it like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to put hexes on the board, you have to cover it up. I think what they did do is they bleeded, they they bled the colors from one territory into another to kind of help you as a reminder. Yeah. So I think what they did is fine. It just still... Would you like to see, like, maybe, it. like, dark borders around the regions or something would, to where you could just... Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, probably. But also, as far as, like, the looking at the board, I, I think I want a more muted board on this one. Okay. Slightly. Slightly muted. I thought it was cool. I'm good with it. It Let's talk good. about the game. Nope. Is that okay? I'm sure I have more. Oh, the only about. the only other like and Dean's gone off on Grumpy Dean. Oh no 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 the coins. I had problems with the coins too. Why? Because the tens and twenties look very similar when you're looking oh, at okay. them. Okay, that's fine. All right, <laughs> so <laughs> but it can be easily fixed. That's the part that like it just it's bonkers to me. Yeah. Well, the only thing that I you know, some people complain about this for sure have and I get it. The setup is a bit of a bear. You have to like t- put all these trade good tiles all over the board and then remove the ones that have X's on them. And then you have to set all the decks up. But I'll say this, after setting the game up three or four times, it does not take very long. I know I said after setting the game up three or four times, the first time it feels like, are you serious? And But then after you know where everything goes, there's some kind of, in my opinion, unnecessary steps they add to it to make it even longer that I just... Like you put every tile face down and then flip every tile over. I just draw them from a bag. Uh, and just don't yeah. look at the bag. Yeah. Like I do that for a lot of games. Yeah. I like think. that. I mean, like I kind of get why they did that, but I thought that was. I'm just like, eh. Like I, that's just why would I spend all that time to flip them back over? Now I've placed out fifty of these things. Like no, that just takes too long. All right. So I have zero complaints there because I never set up the game. Yeah, you never did. <laughs> so let's talk about gameplay. Um. You know, let me just say that again. I really like Civ games generally and I've been, you know, wanting to find one that's a lighter weight Civ game. Though I will say Dean, I disagree with a 2.78 rating. 
I feel like the game is easy enough to teach, but as Dean, I think, will say, there is kind of a lot going on that you have to pay attention to. And mm-hmm. I would probably put it more like a 3.25, maybe 3.3 weight, if that was gonna if I was the one who stamped the weight of the game. Um, but things that I do like about it, y'all, I enjoy a tableau game, but oftentimes when it's just tableau building, it gets a little stale for me. I'm just not that excited. That's why I do like Terraforming Mars, how it has a board in the middle. And you get to go put things out. And it actually looks like you're building things. I think that adds a ton. It's probably why games like um, Imperial Settlers have fallen for me a little bit. Because it's just pretty much purely building a tableau. And making sure the cards work together and all that kind of stuff. This game, I think, beautifully marries tableau building with putting cities out on the map. Putting military units out on the map putting manufacturing and farm towns out there. It feels to me like you're accomplishing something on the map. And the thing that I like probably most about this game, and then I'll let Dean go, is there is a ton of race to tug of war back and forth. So I'll pause there for now. (laughs) Yeah, there is this. We mentioned earlier Acropolis, Uh, by the way, You've heard a lot of my complaints so far. You probably think, man, Dean hates this game because he's complaining about it. I don't love the components in this game. But you're about to hear some positive things from me. Okay? <laughs> I, I mean, I agree you up. You up that, that I, the components had some major, some, some faux pas, and I wish they would fix them. Yeah. Okay. Your maybe qu- the deluxe version fixes it. I forgot your question now that I interjected I, well, I, I didn't have a question. I just said... Oh, the tug of war. There's That's, a lot of yeah. tug of war and, or, and race two. Yes. Which are fun, things I love in games. Yep. And this adds that to tableau building, which uh-huh. is another thing I really like. And then you also have engine building with your resources, which I really like. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to take that tug of war piece. You said multiple different, you know, lots of different tug of war, which is unique in this game, I think, because a lot of games have tug of war in them. Not not all games, but there are a lot well, of games plenty. that have tug yeah, of war. Yeah. But what's cool about this one is that it's you 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 want so many things you want to do so many things right you might think I really want to build this wonder before they do but also I really want to be able to take this technology and I also want to really be able to build this building yeah but if I do this on my next term I'm, I'm gonna to want to do this but I won't have the resources <laughs> so I want to take these you know I want to take yeah. my my stone production action or I want to take or do that before I build a building because I'm going to lose this population. And if I lose that population, I'm going to be able to produce less uh, or I am going to have to produce less than I normally would. And so all those things are you're going to in your mind whilst also looking over at those different, uh, at the different victory or the, yeah, the racing to the racing to those tiles, which is really cool. And so when I talked about Acropolis earlier, or we did, we said about how tense this was, Mosaic is this for a lot longer period yeah. of time where it's like, I, I'm going to have, you know, an ulcer or something at the end well, of this game. I, I feel like at the beginning, it's pretty chill. But as you start heading in a direction, it gets re- really tense because the card will flip out. Uh-huh. And it's, that's, that's a military card. I really need that. Yep. And then that's whenever you start having this these difficult pools of, I want that one. But hey, if I take this symbol, I get that tile right now. Yep. But if I take that tile right now, Dean is going to take this card. I know it because he knows that I want that card really bad. <gasps> yes. 
There is so much of that game going on. And another cool thing is you think about technology and you think just the abilities. And if there's five cards out there, by the way, which is great because five cards gives you a lot of different options. Yeah. But you're not just looking at the ability on that card. You have to be looking at the symbols for those for those scoring tiles. Oh, absolutely. And, and for just being able to have the, the symbols. You have to have symbols to be able to put certain types of cards out. Otherwise, you can take a card, but I might not be able to put it out yet because yeah. I don't have the right symbols. And so there's That's that true. element of not just the technology, but also the symbols, which is... Crazy. There's so many different elements that yeah. you have to think about in this. And game. you have to score points. <laughs> like you can you can like there's a lot of cards. Uh, there's several technologies and buildings. I think I mentioned this earlier, is that we'll just say you score one point per X or maybe two points per wonder that you build. You need some of those, probably. Probably. I say probably because there's a lot of ways to score points. Yes. Uh-huh. But you could just build this amazing engine and have a lot of technologies and maybe you race two and got a few tiles. But your in-game scoring is going to be a poopy because you didn't get those scoring cards or have the right majorities on the board to score during Empire scoring. Which let's let's talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah. So th- there's two ways the game ends. There's three sets of tiles: your wonders, your achievements, and your golden age stuff. I think the one's called achievement. I could be wrong. If two of any of those whole rows of tiles are gone the game ends but addition to that there are four decks there are building decks so when you're putting out cities and stuff you actually get you can just build a city onto the map but if there's a card available you build a city for the same price and you get a bonus which is cool right so there's building that you're building out onto the map there is population and that is kind of the feeding your workers of this game whenever you build a city onto the map you have to lose two population um, so you have to have population for that. But population also, as you're getting resources, let's say your stone production is 10 and you have six population, you get 16 stone. So the higher your population, the better your engine is for all of your resources that you're getting. Then you have technology cards that, you know, do what we've talked about, have all these symbols, you know, increase production, put military units aboard, all kinds of stuff. Finally, you have tax and tariff, which you can actually go out and as you're building cities and different things, you're putting money into this thing. You also have a tax and tariff track. You can get a bunch of coins that way. And coins are interesting in this game because they are purely a wild resource that you're paying two for one of for anything. So if I need five fish, I can pay 10 coins. Yeah, which is an interesting piece to the game. Yeah. But those four decks all have an empire scoring card in them. And in a two-player game, it's either going to be in the bottom half on on three of the track on the population build and tariff or in the middle third of technology. And if three empire scoring cards are revealed over the course of the game, the game ends after the next turn. Yep. So interesting that the game can end two fairly different ways and i think that that's that's intriguing and leaves you with this sense of suspense because it's very possible that those empire scoring two of them come out and then you just it's taken a while to get to the last one yeah yep however i will say that those that two of those decks only have 10 cards each so like there's so you could be like oh it's just a look thing but like, there's ways to get through those card decks if you really need to. And you typically, as the game progresses, you have an idea of what's going to happen, right? Like, yeah. you have a different, uh, an idea of how the game is going to end. Now, in our last game, the, I needed the game to end. Okay, I needed the game to end sooner without having a battle, another battle. 
but the problem was we one of the one of the symbols wasn't coming out very often and so nobody was getting this was the the yeah. s- uh, silly uh, city symbol or whatever it was uh forget what it is but anyway it wasn't coming out and so we couldn't get that tile to go away yeah. and i really needed that to happen and john's like forget it i'm not you know i'm gonna I'm reset gonna a board this. when when i'll reset a row whenever that tile does come out which is not you know you can't do that a ton but if you can do that at the right time it, it really helps yeah you know that that person that needs that and so that's it's oof, more, interesting more right tense, more well, tense. and then there's also like those like achievement things and so one of them if it comes out is like 12 i think production on tax or tariff well you're probably not going to really increase tax and tariff yeah. you're probably going to pick one of those if you want to do that and so if both players have increased their tax that could just sit there the whole game yeah unless dean's like i need to end the game i'm gonna have to just shoot up this track the best i can to just try to get those six points and end the game faster and I, I, I think I really love that about the game. And I really love the way the Empire scoring, you're not really sure when it's going to come out. And someone could be like, oh, man, you're lucky. I'll be like, no, you better set up and be prepared for when it comes out. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess someone could do a couple military moves that falls out and then you're like, oh, well, that was a lucky, you know. But I, I don't, I never felt that way. And I'm a guy that doesn't like unlucky things. You know, yeah. I've heard some people say, well, if the right technology card comes out at the right time, then it's a lucky game. I don't really agree with that because I feel like there's almost always a counterpunch to the punch. Yeah. And there's so freaking many ways to score points. Don't go crying about one little way that someone might score 15 or 20 points. And my, <laughs> I know like, because you get so many points. There's yeah. so uh-huh. many ways. Yeah. And like Dean, Dean, man, and I picked, and I, we didn't mention that, I forgot to mention, you have a leader. And so, which gives you like an asymmetric power. And I picked a military general only to Dean have come out within the first two or three plays of the game. Maybe the first play, a card that says, I can't destroy his military units. It was the first play of the game. The first play of the game. Mm-hmm. And I could have sat around, and I did lose this game, but I don't think that was why. No. I could sit around and be like, oh, that's dumb. But then I got some other military cards from the technology that made my cavalry and stuff twice as powerful and so i didn't care that i was deleting i wasn't able to get his off because mine were just twice as many yeah and so i don't love like i I feel like people who have made that complaint haven't played the game enough to understand the cards that are in it i think you're probably right now a heavy military strategy in a two-player game seems like it has not worked out for us very well i agree with that but i agree with that you can't ignore it either and so having some military out there to be able to dominate these different territories, especially if cards come out there that, that boost that or, yeah. or your, uh, what do you call them? The government cards, mm-hmm. tiles or whatever, getting those that help boost that as well. There's ways to still get a lot of points within that. I just don't think I would focus entirely on that. I agree. Which probably is the reason why you lost the game. If, if you put maybe a too little, much too effort car- into that. Too many, yeah, I think so. And yeah, um, but but I don't. That doesn't really hurt the game because there's like twelve different things or something like leaders that you can yeah. pick. And I think like some of those like achievements that you can come get, if you had a lot of them that flipped over that were about putting dudes on the map, then it could be okay to go military because mm-hmm. you could be like, oh man, if I can just get more cities and port cities and this and this and beat Dean to all those, this is a lot of six points that I can score on top of that. But you can't ignore technology no no no, you know and that happened so in in one of the games that we played that that i beat dean he's beat me two out of three in this game sucker um he had a a pretty good military strategy going on and he was also winning a lot of the tiles 
uh, some of those achievements. And mid-game-ish, I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go so heavy technology. I'm going to win the rest of these technology tiles. I'm going to take every single card that says you score a point if you get this symbol. And I beat him after he was easily, he was beating me pretty bad. And I said, I love that about this game. There's so many ways to score points. There's a many pivot points that you can make and go, okay, let me shift directions here. And let me go this way because I see the other other players going in a different direction and i think i can score points like this yeah yeah so i'm gonna go on to my final thoughts yep. and i'm i'm I'll, I'll share a negative in this too I, I say negative it's not necessarily negative it's just it is what it is this game is a civilization game that is not very thematic now is that a bad mm. thing it's more thematic than Tapestry, and Tapestry is one of my favorite games. It's definitely more thematic than Tapestry. It feels more in the vein of Gentis than anything, yeah. probably, as far as theme goes. But there are some things that I really like about this game. There, There is the lots of different ways to score. There's the the tenseness of, of all the things that are going on and all the things that you have to think about. There's a lot of really cool, the, the, all the different actions that you can take, mm-hmm. all those are really cool. This, the in-game scoring, the in-game scoring, all of that tends to be really neat. Now, I, I will say that there were there are multiple times in this game, and every time that I've played that I forgot to do something, like forgot to take a tile, yes. because there's so many different things that you have to pay attention to, and you can miss things. You You will miss things. I'll just say that. John and I both yeah. miss things. And we kind of made we, a rule: if you miss did. it, sorry, that's that's your bad. But but it balanced out because we both missed. We things. both, yeah. I mean, because there was a point in time where I had, and Dean and I are super forgiving. In oh games. yeah, like we're yeah. always like, oh yeah, go take your turn again. I, some people might get irritated with that, but there was a time where I actually took two turns to set up getting a tile that Dean had already achieved but didn't realize it. <laughs> like a long and it time was ago. like, yeah. and I was like, dude, I'm sorry, but like I literally spent two entire turns. He's like, yeah, no, you're right. And then we just made the rule that hey, if you don't notice it, kind of like. Don't you do that in Monopoly? What do we do in Monopoly? Like if you don't, oh, so if you play the rule and you don't notice someone yeah. being on your yeah, thing, yeah. you know, whenever I know people love every Monopoly, but that's what it felt like. But I was like fine with that because I felt like if you don't do that, it's going to be a you're going to make a lot of moves maybe to go get something, and I can't pay attention to everything I have and everything Dean has. Yeah, yep, it's just very it's very difficult. But yeah. overall, the gameplay itself I think is really fun. I, I like this one quite a bit. I've really struggled with my score and probably way more than what I should. I have kind of sat on an eight for a while on this. I do think I, I'm going to say I, I'm going to stick with that eight. No, okay? I will. I'm going to stick with that eight, but it is way close, sir. It's it's close to being eight, eight and a half, but it's closer to the eight side. Yeah. And I will say the production pieces really do keep it. I, I think mm-hmm. if the production was was better it, the score track it would be eight and the a half score track is is not so but also the keeping up with the symbols is a lot forgetting things is an issue that i have in games you know i've talked about that with with teotihuacan that had that to an mm-hmm. extreme of forgetting what to do I, I, that's always a negative for me so yeah. if there were trackers on this that might help with that a little bit but right now i'll stick with an eight i do think also the technology route that i take i take the technology route uh, most times, maybe every time, heavy technology, yeah. and that tends to pay off for me. Not yeah. always. It's not like a guaranteed win. It's just it's hard for me to escape that that uh, strategy. That's right. So, That's right. And I think there have been some complaints that people say they think that that is just the dominant strategy. Yeah. To get as many talk technologies as you can, and and I don't hate that because I think that if you even if it is, which I'm not convinced it is actually, even if it is, 
there's other stuff to do to score points, right? Like, I don't feel like it's not one of those games where you're like, let me hone in on technology and do nothing else. Yeah. And gets boring because you have the same strategy every time. It does not feel like that at all. Agree or disagree? No, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I love this game. Absolutely. Like, I, the funniest thing is when we played this game the first time, Dean, I was 20, 25% of the way through and I went, I don't even like it. I didn't like, I, I remember, don't you remember me being like, I don't really like this. Yeah. I, I was really disappointed. Um, it was like, eh, this is kind of a boring tableau builder. And I, I, I wasn't, but about halfway through, I went, hold up a second. There's more to this than I realized by the end of the game. I was like, that's a really good game. Played it again. Better. Played it again. Liked it better. Every time I play this game, I like it more. It's kind of like terraforming Mars in the sense of you start to learn the cards, you know, what could come out you know, the nuances of the game. I think you just see the nuances more. Yeah. You know, it's like Blood Rage. People get mad because certain cards are OP. Well, just play the game because there's plenty of OP cards. <laughs> like, you're going to realize that, yes, there's some really powerful cards, but there's a lot of other paths to victory. And that's why I would hesitate. I would super hesitate to listen to a reviewer that's only played this one time. Like, I would be like... To, to get their final, like... I, I would. I would hear be, what they have to say, I, but but you're right. I'm with you. I've played four completely full games of this. So I've... Oh, and speaking of, after you learn the game, guess how long it takes to play two players for us? Under an hour and a half for a mm. Civ game. D yeah. and I actually played one, I think, in a little over an hour because it depends on, like, the Empire scoring and how the technology... I think a two-player game, you can play in an hour. Yeah, like... It, it depends on... You know, how it, it where, does depend on like AP yeah. and stuff like that because there are some people that I mean, like when I play, I'm just be honest. When I play with my wife, it takes longer because she she thinks through it and stuff like that. And you and I, I will say, I think maybe one of the things I didn't love about it is when I first started playing, there are uh, twelve, ten to twelve cards that right that you can pick from, and then also all these different achievements that you can achieve. And I that is a little overwhelming, but after you. Read all the cards, you recognize that only one's going to get flipped over new every turn. Right. So right. It, so I feel like turns are pretty dang fast in this game. Like, hey, I'm going to take some production, grab some stuff. Okay, I'm going to buy that card. Dean grabs it, I'm already making my turn. Because it doesn't matter. Like, it, it can go really, really fast. And I think when you have two players playing it fast, you have tug of war, you have tableau building, nine and a half out of ten, borderline 10 out of 10 my game of the year hands down i don't see how anything can dethrone mosaic in your face to everyone who doesn't like it <laughs> well, i mean i don't know if you needed to add that last yeah. part in there right yeah what is it what is the score that people have to 10. have before it's in their face i don't care like seven is seven acceptable nine is in your face too sucker <laughs> <laughs> this is a really I good game i love this game and it's now here's the thing I love it also because I don't have a lot of Civ games. I feel like I can play with a lot of people uh, because I like I sold through the ages because it's just too fiddly. And I love about this game that it's actually pretty simple to teach. There are a lot of things that are going on, but there's not these fiddly rules that you have to remember. Well, if this happens and this, it's not. Just take a card or increase your population. Claim an achievement. Like it's it's... And I love that about the game. And I think I can get it out with a decent amount of people. And I love that. I think it's so good. I'm hands down. This is this is such a good game. It's one of my favorite games I've played new. And I know that I hope I'm not overselling it in a long time. Caveat, if you're someone who loves Through the Ages and a bunch of Civ games, this you might go, uh, eh, I want more. So this is not the Civ game that that is 
It's not a. It's not the Civ game. I don't think. I think it's not if if you're a Civ game player. Yep. I would put it in, yeah. again. I would put it in the cal- category of of Gentis, which is pretty similar. I think I might slightly prefer this to Gentis, but it's not like overwhelming. Oh, this kills Gentis. Yeah. Like it's not even. It's, you didn't love Gentis. Nah. Anyway, it's fine. So, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Real fast. Let me. I did say the deluxe version. I'm going to take like. 30 seconds on this yep. deluxe version. The reason why I don't feel like I need it is the table space. It's the boards bigger. The player boards are bigger. Everything is bigger. The 3d tiles, I think actually might be more of a hindrance because you have to be able to see the difference between the cities and the, and the towns and the port cities and all of that. That could be an issue because all the, all of them are the same color. If you paint them, I think I would feel differently about that, but just the base of those, I don't know if I need miniature infantry or cavalry pieces because yeah. it just doesn't feel like that kind of game to me yeah. so that's why i would be totally fine with just a regular retail edition on that again without having yeah. seen other than just the pictures i've well, seen online it, that's something that you might like too that dean we didn't talk about military but you you can kill other people's military but it's not really take that it's no, more like uh, just have the mo- the area majority which my wife re- enjoyed it because of that so it's about 53 to 60 bucks for the regular, super worth it. That's a lot opinion. of stuff in the box. Yeah. A lot of stuff crammed in that box for sure. Yeah, okay, I don't so, love the I don't love the box cover either. So that is a nine and a half from John, eight from me. Tell people how they can get in touch with All us. All right, if you enjoy our channel, we would love for you to subscribe. If you like to support us, go to meepletown.com Oh, patreon.com slash meepletown. That'll help us to continue to get more games like Mosaic and these other ones that we're doing. Um, we're at Meepletown Games on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we're Board Game Geek Guild 34-7. Thanks for coming down to Meepletown. See, Dean, this is take two of this. See, Dean, <laughs> this is, that is how you lay down a high score right there. You know, you don't just go, yeah, yeah, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. You go, you go on, baby. You just, you gonna go to the mood, you get on that rocket ship, and you go. And you tear everybody down along the way. Oh, yeah, I mean, everyone else sucks. That doesn't like this game? They're the worst. I mean...